Hello, and welcome back to the Growing Revolution Smart Podcast. I'm Eric Olson with Smart Pot, the original fabric planter. And this week, our guest is Mark. He's the founder of the Green Pad CO2 uh, generator product line. And we saw him recently at the MJ Biz Expo in Las Vegas and asked uh, if he would come on the podcast and tell his story of how he uh, came up with the product and his journey in the industry overall. So, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Eric, I can't thank you enough for inviting me to be on your show. And uh, it's always fun to talk to people about growing. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see you again. Uh, you know, we, I, I've run into Mark sporadically uh, throughout the last decade, and he's always a super nice guy, uh, fun thank to you. talk to. So, um, yeah, thank you for making the time to join us. So, uh, Mark, what's your history with cannabis? Uh, have you been growing for a while? Uh, what, how's your journey been with the plants? Well, I just turned 64 last week, so my journey started as about a 16-year-old in Marin County, as it turns out, where I was. Uh, I spent a couple of years there going to school, uh, in high school, and so that was my was my first exposure to cannabis, but the first time I tried it, I should say. Uh, I grew up in San Diego County area, where my older brother was making regular trips to Tijuana. And, you know, it wasn't an unknown thing. I just was not at age that that was interesting to me. And so uh, so we started, you know, we saw what marijuana was about. And obviously it was it was the big bad thing at the time. And everybody had to be very careful of things. And we saw a lot of people get in trouble for it, which was a shame back then. But uh, as far as I, I grew forward, I, I uh, lived in Catalina Island for a little bit. And my brother and I did a little gorilla glow up in the gorilla grow up in the hills and outside of Avalon, California. So one of my first years growing and moved back to my hometown of Vista, California here in North San Diego County. And uh, again, continued my growing. And uh, I originally, I bought the Ed Rosenthal, the little thin little book, I probably should grab it, that has uh, that he, that him and Mel Frank, which I think Mel was mostly responsible for. And we just read every line on that. And I started a little outdoor grow. Eventually I put a four foot fluorescent light set up in, the, in a basement area. And then a couple of years later, I know I built a greenhouse during that time. About two years later, I bought my first metal halide in 1980, 81, where we, I was, they were in the high times magazine. They had the advertisements for these, you know, at the time we didn't know they were street lights, but they were, you know, it was the thing. And uh, fortunately the, the company that sold them was a local San Diego company. So, you know, we took like two cars and transferred people and showed up at the front door of this place and then drove down the street and transferred the light to somebody else. So nobody <laughs> knew who picked the light up. And so uh, in, in any terms, we, we started growing. growing uh, that was my first real, you know, uh, indoor grow. I'm not saying it went well. You know, this was a learning experience from the get go. But that's my that's my history. And going forward, I, you know, been been a grower, hobby grower, mostly. Uh, uh, myself outdoors and greenhouses and we've had some indoor operations as well over the years so that takes me to the current time where you know um i still have my i still do a little backyard gardening here uh with smart pots i might add our favorite and uh uh but uh, you know we that's, that's kind of the span of time from the from the mid 70s to to current yeah so so you're not a johnny come lately uh mark's an og uh of sorts in the industry so um how did you come up uh, with the green pad CO2 uh, generator? Uh, when was that and how did that all come about? Well, uh, I'm uh, in partners with some, some very smart people and uh, we had come together with uh, new technologies. Uh, we work in the environmental gas industries including ethylene gas removal and production. And so it just sort of uh, came to us 
and we've, we've sort of made some adjustments to it to fit the particular needs of the indoor growing environment. And so we have different iterations of the product. And so we're able to fine tune each one to make them work for our particular application. And so uh, originally, probably the green pad uh, was probably the first brought in around about 2007. Um, when, and we had an indoor grower that we were using them in. And then probably about 2008, we brought it to market. Our first trade show was the 2009 THC Expo, which was awesome. It was the LA Convention Center. Nobody had ever, ever seen anything of its kind like that before. I don't know if you're familiar with that show, but that was epic yep. because up until that time, you couldn't even talk about marijuana, let alone go to a, 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 you know, a national convention site like the LA Convention Center. And uh, I was fortunate to pick a really nice booth um, I was right next door to uh, Advanced Nutrients, and they were very impressive, man. They had the nice booth there with the they big They went hummer. hard back in the day. They went big hard. They went hard and they deep still on do. that one. They do. And, and I, I talked to Big Mike when I see him on the, the shows. Right, right next to me was Greenhouse Seed Company. Nice. You know, and then across from that was uh, uh, Harborside Health Center. So I was like in the middle of all these really awesome booths that brought a lot of people to us. Um, Ed Rosenthal comes by my booth as it turns out. And um, I, I didn't recognize Ed, even though I had sort of been a fanboy from the kid reading his books and everything and bought all the latest versions and ask Ed and all that shit. I didn't recognize him. In fact, Ed showed up to my booth and he had this, um, this blue blazer on with these like marijuana leaf gold epithets on here and little, you know, like he was Captain Marijuana, man. And I, so I talked to him a little bit, explained my product. Not long later, uh, his uh, assistant came by and said, hey, Ed was at your booth. He really likes your product. He wants to know if you want to be in his next book. I went, Ed was at my booth? Yeah. Where? <laughs> really? When? Uh, where? Really? You know, because, you know, but he liked the idea that I probably didn't make a big deal about it. And so that sort of was at that point in 2009, we didn't know that having an influencer was anything at all. I just hell, I wouldn't even know the term. And so fortunately, Ed kind of put us in his books. He's been a big supporter. And in fact, I've, I've shared uh, booth space with Ed and, uh, at a couple of trade shows. And, you know, it's just it's sort of a turnaround from the years ago when I was, a, you know, a grower reading his book to now, you know, I, you know we're, we're, I'm working on this with his social media team right now to do us a little, a little blast out there. So that's sort of my background as far as how, how the green pad kind of came into the, into the indoor gardening scene and how I sort of, as a grower, became part of that. Yeah, yeah, we we love Ed Rosenthal. Uh, he was, I think, uh, I, I, one of our first interviews on season one, and he's such a humble yeah. guy for like his status in our industry. You know, like he, he he's very humble. He doesn't really brag about himself. No. You know, he's he's one of the he coolest guys out there. He, he knows everybody. You know what I mean? So I talked to Ed. We were talking in, in Phoenix at the Imperius Expo. And uh, he was talking about going to go see Tommy Chong. And I'm like, oh, man, Tommy Chong, that'd be cool to go hang out at Tommy Chong's house up in, uh, you know, and where he's in L.A. area. And uh, he said what he found out about these celebrities, because, you know, he's with Snoop Dogg and Willie. Everybody knows, you know, Woody Harrelson. He said these celebrities, um, they feel like, I guess, people always are asking them for something. And so that's sort of like, so he's, they, they like Ed because Ed never asked them for anything. You know, they want to be around Ed because Ed has the history that goes back, as we know. But that was what I took back from Ed on that. So re recently I sent Ed a text and I said something to him about, about being a celebrity. And I go, I know you guys, you're busy and you're a celebrity. You know, I'm not trying to ask you for anything, Ed, you know, like this. He says, I'm not a celebrity. I'm just Ed. 
And so he's a, he's a he's a good guy. Like I said, so I was just fortunate that back in the time, this just by happenstance that that this uh, this colliding events happened. So uh, to our to our great benefit. Yeah, yeah. Ed Ed's a living legend, and uh, he was like one of the first people that I wanted to get on the on the podcast just to kind of chronicle his you know journey in, in cannabis. Um, yeah. cause you know, he's getting up there in years. We, you know, we, yeah. none of us know, uh, when our last day is going to be. So I'm, I'm, I'm really honored that I got to interview him. Uh, it was really yeah, cool. He, he's a good guy. Like I said, I've, I've uh, the last couple of shows we've, uh, I didn't see him at MJ BizCon and we were supposed to get together, but he had a hurt knee, but, uh, I was in the, at the Arizona show. We spent a lot of time together again. And, uh, like I said, so it's good. You know, when you can say you passed a joint next to, to Ed Rosenthal back and forth, on more than one occasion, you know, that's, I don't know if that's OG in the game, but it's pretty, that's a, that's a good status to be in, you know? Uh, that's, that's as OG <laughs> as anyone, you know, we've, we've lost a lot of the the legends over the years, you know, Jack Rare, Eddie Lepp, and, yeah. you know, yeah. Ed, Ed's kind of one of those last dudes, uh, from, from the beginning, uh, of yeah. when cannabis yeah. really started taking off. So yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's a, he's a trip, isn't he? <laughs> he certainly is. <laughs> uh, so circling back to uh, to the green pad, um, can you explain to us how it works? Is there a chemical reaction no, really uh, with the water? I, I know you spray the pad with water to uh, yeah. to get it going. How how is that working? You know, it's real simple chemistry. It, you know, very simple chemistry. It's a so it's a it's a, a carbon and an acid. And what we do is they're layered in these pads, and there are uh, multiple layers of this of this formula that's in there, and. It's a simple reaction to humidity or moisture. These the, the the proportions that we have of the ingredients are set to react at about 35% ambient humidity. So anytime you pull them out of the package, pull them out of the original package that are all sealed up, um, then they actually will start releasing immediately. It's a slow release, but there's still a small release of CO2. So that's what, when we say hang, spray, and walk away, basically what we're doing is we're taking the pad, a little spray bottle, and just give it a little mist, like this and hang it up. Now, it's going to tend to dry out in a garden. That's what they always do. So uh, you can go in your garden once a day and spray, spray them. Or what we also suggest is you can take a, like a sponge, a simple sponge, get it wet, put it in the middle of the pad and fold it up. I'm doing this backwards here. And then kind of clip it on there. You're just basically trying to keep that sponge moist in there. And that's enough moisture to activate the chemistry. The more moisture, the faster the CO2 releases. So you kind of want a nice slow release. Uh, a lot of gardens, what they'll do is right before they get ready to close up their garden, they'll either give it a little mist or they'll get that little, just give it a little squeeze and get that, that moisture to wick through the pad. And if it dries out a little bit more, wet it down a little bit. It's designed to last up to about two weeks, depending on how wet you get it. You put it under water, then it's going to go away quicker. But if you want to let it go a nice slow release and hanging these a couple of these at a time in your, in your tent would probably be just enough to give you about double the ambient CO2 that most tents are in. So it's real simple. Like I said, the chemistry is very easy to use. It's not, there's nothing growing and nothing happens until you pull the pads out of the package. So they could sit there on the store shelf or in your garden ready to use. Um, a lot of guys will take these and keep a couple packs of these granddaddy pads, that, which is our bigger version of it, on hand. Because if your tank runs out and you're running at, you know, 85 degrees and 2400 TDS, how long you want to run without CO2? So having the backup plan with these green pads, especially these granddaddy, see these guys are big. This is just another bigger version. It's the same product, different machine makes these. In fact, we just built a new machine 
in San Luis Obispo to make new to make new pads. But this is this is a much bigger version. Again, a, a sponge in the middle really helps it out a lot because we want to keep the moisture keeping that chemistry alive. And the other thing is when you're when you're using the green pads, you go, well, gee, how do I know how do I know if they're working? It's real simple. Right. You take a pad and you get it, take a little corner of it, you get it a little wet, and I don't think you can hear this with the damn microphone, but there's this thing is sizzling away. Where's the microphone on this fucking thing? There it is. Um, anyway, so that the pads start sizzling. You can actually hear the CO2 release. It's an easy reaction. So when that stops doing that, then you know that then it's done. It's time to replace, put a new one in. So that's real easy. It's either on or it's off, and you can slow it down by by you know lowering the humidity or raise it up by adding moisture. Okay. Okay. Simple, simple and, stuff. And and so and so you said it, it lasts for about uh, two weeks. Is is that like um, is is that the uh, is is there a range as far as how long it lasts depending on like you know the size of your tent or how often it, you're it misting does. it? Yeah, we try to put two of those in a four by four room, like one light for two of the original green pads. Um, and you know, again, this is a little give or take. This is a passive CO2 system, so we're going to have to kind of depend on the grower to kind of keep an eye on the pad to keep them either moist or put the, the sponge in there. And so, uh, typically, the regular green pads, the original green pads, uh, after about a week is when their highest release of CO2 happens. But after a week, there's still some left. So that's why we suggest we leave them in there for like two weeks. So you're sort of cycling and stacking in new ones and old ones. And that way you kind of keep your levels higher without, uh, you know, you want to make sure you kind of wring out every bit of CO2 the pads have. Yeah. And so that gives you, a, you know, a cycle stacking. The granddaddy pads are so much bigger. There's so much more formula in there that they're actually designed to last about 21 days. Um, again, the suggestion is after about two weeks, you might want to put another one in there. Some growers will leave them in there for longer without doing that. So it's sort of a, you could dial it in for your own needs. You know, if you want to run 1800 TDS, I mean, 1800 PPMs in your garden, you just going to have to hang more green pads up. You can get there. It's just like opening the valve on your tank or turning on your burner. You're going to, there's some, you know, cost to play, you know, you're going to replace your tank or you're going to buy, you know, natural gas for your burner. Yeah. Either way, you know, that's how you can, you can, you can put more CO2 in the garden based on how many green pads you have. There you go. Okay. So Mark, what do you yeah. think the optimal CO2, CO2. level is for uh, the you know, garden? I think that for most hobby growers to get anywhere double or more ambient is very effective. I think that for, you know, for the, for the few plants you're growing at a time that I think that's going to be very noticeable. Um, so again, actual levels, I think, you know, if you're running for 500 ambient, at least a 900 to a thousand, um, you know, our growers, some growers get higher levels. If somebody will get uh, just that double ambient, actually, I'm okay with that because I think that that's effective. I think you'll see, you know, you'll you'll be able to turn your garden up temperature-wise a little bit more. You'll be able to feed your plants a little bit more. And the combination of those three things is going to give you, I think, more growth, bottom line, yeah. and more weight. And so, you know, car yeah. it's sort of carbon in and carbon out. We're putting more carbon in there, and it's going to turn itself into the carbon of the flower. And that's without that, you're just going to be whatever the ambient is. And in some grow environments, especially the tents, when they're trying to kind of seal them up in some ways, you're going below ambient levels because they're so you got a plant, you know, canopy full of plants, and they're sucking up CO2. You can definitely see the reduction of CO2. That's why even getting way ahead of that in any levels is going to be a benefit. Yeah, I actually did a, an experiment uh, like a month ago. I shut off uh, the CO2 tank to my tent and then let the uh, tent, you know, just run with the lights on for about five or six hours just to see like how low the CO2 would get. And when I checked like six hours later, it was uh, like at 200. 
where normally it's at about 400 if the tent was wide open. Um, so yeah, if you're not supplementing with right. CO2 and you have a closed environment, your plants are starving for yeah, CO2. And it's hard to sometimes to show people that because they think, well, we should be able to get higher levels right away. And the bottom line is you're having to battle the actual plants uh, respiring. And so there's there's you know there's physiology going on right there. And so uh, again, you know, our goal as a as a product for the hobby industry mostly is to get those growers to see the higher levels, but see the actual plant growth. Now, if, if, yep. is the difference between 900 to 1,000 to 1,200? I think it's hard to quantify that to a lot of people. And so you know, and there's a lot of wasted CO2. So again, I think that the idea is any any there's a real benefit to having CO2, and it comes down to you know how much you're comfortable paying for that benefit. You know, if you have, again, now if you want to have a constant level of 1500, then your best bet is to get a sniffer and a tank or a burner and just and just go with that wet that system. Uh, is it going to is the difference between that three or four hundred ppm? Sure, I'm sure it's significant. How much? I think that's, you know, then you start calling and that becomes the becomes the uh, how good a grower you are. You know what I mean? There's so many other parameters, so many factors going on there that that one thing isn't all end all be all. I'm going to run more CO2 that way I can, you know, not feed as off. There's, there's, you have to kind of have everything firing on all cylinders or it's like trying to put nitrous on a jalopy. You know, he's just yeah. not going to get to the it's not going to work. So, anyway. yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know, like if you add CO2 uh, to the grow. You know, there's other factors, you know, most sure. people are like upping their nutrients um, because, you know, basically your plant's metabolic process is, right. is running faster. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. there if, if you drop out the CO2, you know, a lot of things change. So it, it might not be like a one to one, you know, comparison. Well, you know, the one thing we know about growing is, is that, you know, you need three things. You need light, water and CO2. There's no the nutrients don't even play in that equation. Right. So that's a critical part of the growth part, uh, process. And, and again, we're green plants are happy that we're just one small part of, a, of an industry that allows our technology to be used and benefit these growers and, and to see the, the feedback from store owners that we've been working with for 10, 12 years. And, uh, you know, we try to be, uh, we try to communicate our product well by our YouTube videos and being on the podcast and whatnot. But also, you know, we're growers. We're people that started the, when you said something about, you know, I, I take, tell people all the time, you know, uh, we didn't jump onto this green bandwagon. As a grower from, you know, my background, we were the guys that started this shit. And so to carry on, to have a, a, a product in this industry, it's almost like you couldn't even believe that. I wouldn't believe as an 18-year-old, I would have never thought that this would ever happen. So, uh, but great, we're grateful to be part of a great industry. And then you know, we met so many great people. And all these trade shows we've done all over the country, and we've met store owners and growers and other industry uh, leaders and stuff, and it's been fun. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it, it's it's not a bad way to 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 try to make a living. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the they say necessity is the mother of invention, and you know, most of the products in our industry came from growers, you know, like yourself who you know, identified a need or something that was lacking in their system and either went out and sourced it from another industry or just kind of invented it. Sure. So, um, yeah, it, it's really cool to hear those, those cool stories yeah. uh, in person. Now, I know you were um, going to ask me about the, about the cloning pads, the Green Pad Juniors. Yeah, I so that... um, you've got, you know, a small version of, of the green pad for clone domes, and I've used it myself uh, years back, and I definitely noticed uh, an improvement. How much faster will people see root development 
uh, using the green pad there? Uh, you know, uh, a number came up yesterday on another podcast um, uh, you and I discussed earlier. Uh, HLG Group has a, has a podcast, and Stephen Johnson, who's their CEO that started that company, he happened to be talking about using Green Pad Juniors, and his take on this was 30% faster. And so I just, that's the first number that came to mind. That sounds about right. So definitely, I think the idea, what happens is, is when putting CO2 in that clone dome, is we're actually feeding the stomata of these cut of these cuttings because at the point that they're cut and there's just this bare stem there's nothing there's nothing keeping them alive but the humidity in the dome and the carbon dioxide it's now force feeding into that stomata which is produces sugars which equals roots and so mm -hmm. two things happen we're, we're we're kind of jacking up that level to kind of uh, speed up that process but also Carbon dioxide is keeping the leaves green and the cuttings. They don't want to they, because we're we're slowing down their respiration. We're feeding them now instead of having them respire out. And so they're uh, the, the the typical thing is that all your cuttings will turn will cut will 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 root most of the time, and you'll see very little if any yellow leaves in that whole tray. And you know, yeah. two to three days twister. I think the average probably is uh you know five to six days uh to to root on most cannabis plants, for instance. Um, and that's usually when the dome comes off. And when the dome is off, then you're done using the green pads. Juniors, now if you want to and you want to go into your bedroom and you want to hang up the green pads, there you go. The CO2, you know, continues. So, uh, but yeah, this is, I've been super proud of this because nobody had really discovered that there's a real benefit to adding CO2 to the clone domes. Um, and, you know, we sort of, using our original green pads, hanging them right over our open cloners. We thought, wow, these things are, the cuttings are looking really good, but I don't need to fill the whole room with CO2 to just feed these little plants. So we changed yeah. the, we put a smaller pad and we just have just, there's only, all that's in here, by the way, is just a CO2 form. There's nothing else in here. There's no absorbing medium. There's nothing else. It's just our powder. And so I made these pads to last, to make about 400 cc's of gas over about two days. We could have put more in there, but all of a sudden, you know, there's no benefit to having a high CO2 level of those cuttings. They like it. I think anywhere between, you know, six, 800 is a sweet spot for those cuttings. And that's when you see the, the, the faster growth and the, and the no lease turning green. And so, yeah. so that's why we made them that way. We, well, you know, we can make them last longer, but it just, was, there wasn't a benefit to that. So it worked out that 400 cc's for about two days, and then you put another one in, and usually about the third time, after about six days, then your the dome is off and you're off the ditch. So, uh, but this okay. is something that you know, I think that um, more commercial growers ought to look at. And we're working on a program right now to sell these to bulk to the to the commercial growers. Because if you're doing, you know, 500 trays, you're not going to buy, you know, the 10 pack retail pack of green packs. And so, uh, yeah. but but in bottom line, so that's that's something I'm real proud of. We got a lot of great great feedback, almost the best feedback we get. And I'll tell you the reason, Wiz, is because you can really see the effect in your little dome. It's very effective in a few days. If you're growing and you're, you're waiting, you're, you know, you've got weeks to go to see shit happen at the very end. And the green pad's part of that process. And at the, overall, it's going to make an effect. But you're not going to see it today, you know. But in two right. or three days with your clone domes, you go, shit, this thing, this, this is working really well. Which is sort of somewhat proof of concept for people to say, well, if these things work and these, you know, these bigger ones are 40 times stronger than this one. And so there's a way, yep. a way for people to see, there we go. Uh, these are people to see how they can, how these can uh, be scaled up for larger areas. Yeah. So, so that's something, like I said, really proud of the green pad junior and sort of, we've taken a whole new skew in this industry with our green pads being a unique uh, technology, but then now having a new way of propagation. So, uh, you know, that's sort of our, our, one of our, I think, claims to fame on that now is that that's something nobody ever thought of. I mean, until I made a product that was reasonable to make that work.
Yeah, I mean, uh, before the the green pad junior uh, to get CO2 into my clone dome, I would just open up one of the vents and breathe into it or, you know, take a bong hit and blow it into the into the dome. And I mean, just intuitively, I'm sure I was boosting up the CO2 uh, just by doing that. But your method is much easier. Uh, your nasty mouth is full of all kinds of shit. You want to blow that shit on your nice plants in there, you know? It's not a sterile environment anyway. You basically, when you when you make a when you put a cloning tray with a dome on there, you literally just made a mold factory. Yeah. And so carbon dioxide is uh, antimicrobial gas. It displaces oxygen and ethylene gas, and it's and it's like as it slows, it changes the pH of anything it touches, and so it slows down the ability for all those you know uh, botrytis growth gray mold these things have a harder time to grow in a high co2 environment we make a big deal about that but that's actual that's the science behind our product the co2 is it's an antimicrobial gas and so yeah. uh so when you make that little mold factory and you're and you put co2 in there you're slowing the ability you're, you're to reduce the pathogen growth that that always happens yeah, when you see yeah. something you know make it, you, you're heating it up you're putting the light on it you know really i mean that's how else would you draw mold that's a that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, I know the state regulators would, you know, have a problem with you claiming that on, you know, the packaging or, or the label. But that is something we definitely can talk about. It's just uh, not something that that's aware of. Oh, I definitely have the claims to be made. There's no there's no question that that could be. It, it's it's a scientific fact that carbon dioxide is an antimicrobial gas. It displaces lighter gases like ethylene and oxygen. Yep. And it changes, and anything that carbon dioxide touches, it turns into carbonic acid, and so it lowers the pH. And those are the things that you need. To, that those are the things that make this less conducive for 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 mold growth and more conducive for plant growth. So that we make it not make a big deal about it is because nobody really cares at that point. They just want to pull. You know, it's not this big an issue, but it's the fact that that's what this product does. And so uh, it might be some small benefit. I'm not making that their biggest claim, but it is. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely what it does. So. Yeah. So, um, so kind of changing gears, um, you know, you had mentioned that you were a smart pot user. Uh, when did you get into, you know, using smart pots in, in your garden? And do you have a favorite size that you like to use? Uh, I'd have to say it had to be when we started at Heavy Tea's Grow Show. So when we were at that, we, we uh, just people that don't know, there was a podcast that started, um, God, when did Tyler start that? Um, 2010 2011 maybe probably about then about that time and uh and we were we were on a podcast that our company was uh we were fortunate that we were there with a group of leaders like general hydroponics and smart pots and blue lab and a, a ton of other companies and uh on that podcast we got to meet everybody that all the other vendors that were that were part of that podcast and so I was exposed to probably from listening to Heavy Tea, talking about it on the Heavy Tea Grow Show. So up until that point, I think I just used, like everybody else, I used black plastic pots, you know. And so, in fact, I think that's a year I did a, I did a nice drain-to-waste uh, project in my greenhouse and with all, you know, 20, 15 to 20 gallon uh, smart pots. And so that's what we used. And, and then the great thing about it, obviously, is, you, you know, the reusability of them. And so, you know, you just buy them once and then, you know, you... You clean them out, supposedly, and then, uh, you know, I reuse them. And so we did have, my wife and I always used, we kind of used it up was the, um, I don't know the size, I think it's the 50, the round one. The It's about four, four foot wide and it's about that deep. Uh, oh, like the big bag bag. The big, the big bag one, yeah, yeah. We use that to death. I use it every year. 
And so, nice. uh, no, we love smart pots. I think they're they they certainly have um, uh, shown people how the the disadvantages of those plastic pots. I think the idea that they breathe and that you don't end up uh, you know overwatering your plants. You know what I mean? It's so nice to be able to go over there and pick them up and see how heavy they are. You'll know whether it's time to water or not. And so yeah. I think that the, the Smart Prep brand is really, you know, obviously the leader in the industry. And, um, and you know, I, like I said, as a grower, I, I recognize the benefits of it and I've used them, you know, years and years. Don't have a garden this year, though. I didn't do one this year. So it was sort of like I took the year off the first time in a while. And it was honestly because there was a lot of produce in the market. <laughs> I didn't want to. Yeah, so. yeah. Wholesale prices are uh, ridiculously low these days, um, yeah. especially in California. You can. Uh... It's yeah. We all have to be careful what we wish for. That whole you know, the legalization and everything else. It was, you know, um, yeah. It's but you know, it's it's sort of like any other commoditized uh, product now. You know, we're all just part of a, a chain of 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 commodity. It's just you know, you're trading like you do any other any other produce or or you know fluid commodity. And, you know, it's if there, people want to sell it cheaper, then somebody will buy it cheaper. And so yeah. that's where the market's going to be. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, until we get nationally, uh, federally decriminalized or legalized, taken off the scheduling, then, um, you know, we'll see how the state to state transfers go along. I think that's going to be the tell of the tell. How are we going to legally go from state to state? You know, because it's going to be interstate commerce. I mean, it's going to be. I think somebody's going to sue somebody saying, "Hey, you're you are you're limiting our ability to be in a legal market to to uh, to traverse the state lines or whatever we have to do to get into from at least from one legal market to the next." I don't know exactly about how that will work, but um, you know, I think we're all going to be. We've been witnessing history for the last twenty years, fifteen years, hard, and you know, yep. no reason for that to change now. So. Yeah, I think state to state uh commerce and then international uh commerce is gonna be a whole nother thing to to unload when you yeah. got packs coming from Canada and Colombia and Yeah. Should be I mean, interesting. You, gotta stay, you know, you know, you, you somebody that said, Wow, you know, Colombia could pull off something good. You know. But fortunately I think the bottom line is is that the industry is just there there's I I don't see any market for it. The the outdoor market is is nil. And so I don't know where the lines are drawn on that. I'm, you know, um, you know, I prefer indoor, you yeah. know, I think yeah, a lot of people that have been doing this is like, you know, and so you go, what? That's, which is a shame because, you know, it's kind of where we all started outdoors, free sunshine. And now, you know, we got to pay for the sun every day for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And so, well, the um, thing is, uh, I mean, indoor is always going to, or not always, but indoor should be the best because you're just trying to mimic mo mother nature and you're eliminating, you know, variables of rain and pests and disease, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, indoor cannabis should be, uh, better than most outdoor. Although I have to say some of the best I've ever sampled has been outdoor so well you know i think the, you the, can do the, well either way it's it started at that you you get the taste of the earth you know what i mean we all know that you know you're either you know you get the taste of the salt so you get the taste of the earth you know if you're getting if you're only doing indoor and it's all hydro and you know it's just there there is definitely advantage there i think that you know there's a place for both for both items i just think that you know as consumers i think what's happened now is everybody is so wise now you know, this is just now you got in, in the town that I live in here in North San Diego County. Um, there was a battle for uh, for dispensaries here. And I was I was I was very involved in it. I spent some time 
talking in front of the city council here, um, promoting the idea that they should, you know, acknowledge that the voters have voted for this. They just need to implement it. And they were there was a couple of members on the city council, including our our our, our mayor, who was just, you know, just was stubborn, just would not acknowledge it. And so finally, the the voters came to to pass, and they they've actually allowed to have eleven. Uh, originally, it was medical stores put in our town of Vista, North County, Kent, San Diego County, and. Uh, uh, and now those are all now recreational. And the funny thing about it is that they made they were kicking and screaming to get these 11 stores open because they were medical. The time when everything turns to recreational, not a word was mentioned. Nobody could care less. I mean, it was like there wasn't really? any big bub bub. Oh, no, now that anybody can go into these stores. Well, anybody could go into stores before probably. So, but the full battle that these that these politicians put on, at least in my local market here, it was like, what a lot of wasted resources. They went for years chasing these stores down and, you know, they would open up down the street. And I had several friends that had, that were very involved in this, you would think, and had stores that were, you know, black market stores, I suppose. But now they have the nice, indoor, they have the, the legal store. And they're, you know, they're, they're in Oklahoma, the guy's all over the place. And so shout out to Tradecraft Farms in Vista, by the way. Our buddy Brent nice. is an old family friend, and my nephew works for him. And so, uh, uh, but, you know, they kind of went around the back way to it. Now they're in the legal form. So the bottom line is, is I think now with uh, uh, with people that are smarter about where they go, they, they're, they're looking for terpene profiles, and they want to see, you know, your CBD, CBN, C, you know, THC levels, and have that all, how that masks up to their particular needs. And so... Um, how we do that on the outdoor basis, I don't know. I think the indoor growers have those genetics uh, a little more refined, and I think they can pull to fruition at the very moment that this stuff hits perfect ripeness. And that's, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're limited to what you can do outdoor, my personal opinion anyway. You know what kills me about uh, the retail market these days is how we went from the deli-style dispensaries, you know, where you got a big jar or a big bag, and you can, you know, you can see exactly what you're going to get. You can, you can touch it, you can smell it. But now you, everything is in mylar bags, <clears throat> and sure, it's got a label with a terpene profile and a THC percentage, but you know. That tells you literally nothing about the, you know, the grade of, of what you're trying to consume. I don't know. I I just miss the good old days, personally. Yeah, you know, we don't get to touch it anymore. And, uh, uh, you know, and they're, I, I will say they're getting very creative in the packaging. I was in a store a couple last couple weeks ago and um, was to see what they had. And we were looking for a little bit of keef. That, you know, my wife likes a little keef on her bowl sometimes at night. She has some pain issues. And so they don't always have keef, but they don't, what they did offer is we have keef, but it comes with an eighth of bud. And so you get a gram of keef and you get an eighth of bud and it's all, all sealed up and, you know, you couldn't open it or see it. I go, well, you know, 35 bucks. Okay. What the hell? And so, but when you open up, what you find out is the buds are smalls. And it's hard to tell when they're packaging those, you know, it looks like, so you're, they're taking yeah. basically good on them. They found a way to market some fairly unmarketable product. It was probably outdoor keys with some small, I don't know. It was just sort of a trial. I wanted to just try it. Sometimes I go to these stores. I just want to see what they have to offer just to see for myself what's going on. As Like I said, as an OG in this industry, I want to know, well, what, what are people doing now? And I yeah. found that very interesting, you know, and uh, I don't know that I would buy it again, but. Uh, hey, I, I did that. see something really cool recently. Uh, I don't know what company it was, but they were saying uh, they're going to have scratch and sniff uh, Mylar bags. I'm sorry, what's that? Uh, I, I saw that there's uh, one grower somewhere in California that's coming out with 
uh, cannabis terpene infused scratch and sniff stickers oh, no that they're putting on their uh, bags so that huh. people could actually smell uh, before they buy, which I thought was pretty cool. If it works, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just trying to think about that. Yeah, okay, that's that's out there. That's pretty out there, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Hey, you, you know, know I, I guess uh, if you can't open up the mylar, uh, a scratch and sniff sticker is, I suppose, the the next best option. I, I guess I suppose that how how true to the smell that would be, and you know, that sounds like a like costly proposition. You know, just open a bag, let them smell it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm interested to try out. So whatever company uh, is doing that, they could send me a sample. I'll I'll make sure it works. Well, if we made lottery uh, tickets like that too, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You go buy the lottery tickets and you do that, you know. So <laughs> now you're talking crazy. So uh, Mark, where can uh, growers purchase the green pad? Uh, are you uh, online? Are you going to be in hydro stores? Are are you distributed by uh, the distribution companies too? Yeah, we have actually. We we've been just working with Hydro Farm now for about six seven years now. Six seven years. We 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 uh, we stayed away from all the distributors the first five or six years. When I first got into this, there was a bloodbath going on between uh, Sunlight and Hydro Farm, knocking each other off. And just, it was, I just, I saw, I saw, I didn't need to be in the middle of that. And so we stayed away for about the first five years. We are self-distributed. You can only buy direct. We are selling right to hydro stores, but <clears throat> pardon me. But after about five years, I knew I need to have a distributor because not everybody wanted to buy a one-off product from the store. They're too busy. Uh, fortunately for us, uh, Aaron Lowe, who was a, uh, one of the hydro farm reps in Southern California and used to be, I used to see him at the Heavy Keys Grow Show. He was such a good guy. He actually was out um, when he was uh, talking to his hydro farm customers, telling them about green pads and says, hey, you should buy these green pads, even though he wasn't selling them. And so I was like super grateful that, that Aaron did that. And so at some time, Aaron came to me and says, listen, hydro farm would like to distribute green pads. We see them out there in all the stores and we think that we could sell them well. And so because they were, you know, it was sort of a loyalty thing when, you know, when they, when they were so, when he, at least Aaron's point of view, he, he was able to get us to introduce these stores. And so I'm a loyal guy. You show me that kind of loyalty and I'll work with you every day. And so, uh, so that's kind of put us in with Hydro Farm. We've been th with them since then. Now we do have direct store accounts as well. It's not an exclusive deal with Hydro Farm. Not everybody buys from Hydro Farm, so we can't, you know, close that down. We also have been in uh, uh, Australia for many years now. We work with Stealth Garden Supplies down there. And so they've done very well with us. Uh, we're also in New Zealand and uh, through Stealth and through another company down there as well. And, uh, and so the brand's been exposed around the world. We're trying to get ourselves a little more um, into the UK, into Europe, into those other markets in South Africa. Um, we have, a, we have a, oh, a small distributor in Brazil that we're playing with right now. He's been down there. So, so we're trying to expand it right now. Most of our product is sold in the US and some, some Canada. We just picked up a new uh, Canadian distributor. And so, so people can buy them. You can get them on Amazon. I have several direct Amazon uh, uh, vendors for us. And then because we sell through Hydro Farm, they sell to a lot of other online vendors that we don't know about. So bottom line is there's a, there's a quite a few stores around the country that have been stocking this product for years and years. If for some reason people viewing this podcast are looking for the product and they don't find them, hit us up. We'll be sure to either find a way to get to view direct or find a local store that carries them, or in many cases, talk to the stores about stock of the product because they're they're busy. They don't have you know, time to look at everything. But honestly, most stores that start carrying the green pads, it becomes a stock item that they have. They recommend it. Um, we send a lot of product out to the guys behind the counters. 
So we get a hold of hydro stores and we say, listen, you know, you are you a grower? And they go, yeah, well, let me send you some of my product. You try it, see what you think. Now they become a believer. Somebody walks in the store. They're saying, hey, we try, I try this. This shit, I got 1,000 people in, 1,500, great. Or my clones blew up. And so these, this is the firsthand sort of connection that I try to personally make with all these store owners. We've been doing this for a long time, and, you know, um, we're sort of hot and cold on getting connected with the stores because it's sort of the flux of the industry. But uh, the bottom line is that's where people can buy the green pads. Most, a lot of hydro stores, obviously Amazon, online stores as well. And, and like I said, everybody wants to reach out, you know, greenpadco 2 at AOL.com because I'm AOL because I'm that old. And so uh, you guys send anybody send me an email, any questions, anybody wants a sample, hit me up. You know, we ha we're happy, you know, uh, to get our product out there in the market and if, if sending out some products. If we can just ask those growers to, uh, you know, tag us on Instagram or do the things like my social media game is totally weak. You know, we try to do a lot of things here and I'm trying to up that a little bit, but um, uh, we can use the help. So growers want to contact us, say, I'd like to try your product. Hit me up, send me an email. We'll show out some samples. Just tell us what you think about it. You know, after 14 years, we know the product works and people like it, but we're still, you know, there's new growers out there that never heard of it before. Never heard of a good smart pot there because they're kind of new to the game. We just can't assume that all the work we've done in the last 12, 14 years is, is going to pay off the day. We have to continually sort of reinvent ourselves and do brand building. And that's why, yeah. you know, I watched the walk the show at MJ BizCon. Um, I didn't have a booth there, but I, I literally drove over a 300 mile drive from my house there. Um, and just spent the day walking around, running into stores that we happened to run into. And then again, the vendors and whatnot. And fortunately, Eric from Smart Pot, and then, you know, kind enough to invite me on the podcast. So, uh, so that I try to stay out there involved in the industry and the community. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we're, we're continually farming for new, you know, growers and customers. And yeah, you know, it, I've been in the industry for, you know, 15 going 15 plus years and but yeah there's people getting into it every mm -hmm. day who yeah are brand new and hungry for that knowledge and hopefully some of them are watching the podcast and uh go pick up a green pad yeah. or two yeah no uh, that's, and a smart pot smart of course absolutely and grow indoors yes yes <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you're growing indoors, you know, it's safer, less likely of people, um, you know, stealing your valuable crops. Uh, yeah, that happened before. Less likely to have insects uh, get into the environment, disease, and you have a lot more control. So, uh, Mark, we could chat all day about uh, plants and, and history, and maybe we'll have to have you back on in the future. But um, I wanted to really thank you for your time and, and coming to join us here. Uh, it's been a great interview. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. And like I said, the, the people at Smart Pots are great. We've been working with you guys as far as team members at these uh, at these podcasts. And, and then, like like you mentioned, we've been going, you know, all the Maximum Yield shows, and Indo Expos, MJ BizCon, and, you know, Cannabis uh, High Time shows. Uh, Jesus, you know, we you know it, it goes forever. But that's, you know, if you're into the business, like I know you are too, Eric, you like to talk to the people and sort of communicate them face-to-face, -face, and there's no better place to do that than these trade shows. And now hopefully it's a little exposure on the, on the podcast helps, you know, convey our, our message as well. And so, uh, but again, I really appreciate you asking me to be on, and I'm hopeful that I gave some information that was helpful to people. And again, we're greenpadco2.com uh, if you want to find direct information. Uh, Marco Greenpad. 
on YouTube where we have quite a few videos on how the product works, one step by step, one, two, three, and uh, industry experts like, I don't know if you know, do you know who Casey Jones Fraser is? Casey is the uh, R&D, uh, head of R&D at Hydro Farm, and he used to own a store in uh, Garden Grove, um, uh, or no, uh, Garden Grove Organics in Covington, Kentucky, and he was a large, he was a big proponent of green patch. So I ran into him at one of the trade shows. He got a great shout out about, I love these things. We took some some wilted basil clones and we brought them back to life. It's a great little video I filmed at one of the shows. But now he's nice. the R now he's the head of R and D at, at Hydro Farm. So we re-edited that video because now I not only have just I don't have just, you know store owner that's a nice guy. Now I have the word of one of the head leaders of the industry that actually investigates this stuff, putting the shout out, green pads, he likes them and they work good. So we'd like to, those are our connections of the industry and going on YouTube to see that stuff. If that helps people, great. And again, get back to me with any more questions or if those people want to hit me up for samples, you know, we were, we're pretty well stocked up. Yeah. Well, uh, growers out there, don't starve your plants. They need CO2. They like lots of CO2 more than 400 ppms uh they will take and and they'll they'll eat it up and they'll love you for just it, so. uh hang spray and walk away that's it nice all right and on that note uh mark thank you very much for your time we appreciate it thanks you guys hey yeah well i hope to see this uh uh podcast out soon and we'll be happy to share it with all of the 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 followers that we have out there in uh social media land so eric you have a great day again i appreciate it and uh any anytime we can uh talk plants and growing you know it's always a good day looking forward to seeing you at the next trade show you betcha you betcha thank you so much